Welcome to Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Today is Easter, the day that we mark, I, I, I can't say the end of the story. It's more the, 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 the climax, the pinnacle of the story of Jesus and of Christ, uh, at least in his earthly ministry. And we've been following it uh, throughout the Christian year, right? We start following Jesus' disciples. We hear how they got involved in something that none of them had expected. They were going about living their lives normally. Uh, some of them were fishermen. One was a tax collector. You get the idea, right? Until... Jesus came through and said, follow me. You know, those fishermen, they literally left their dad on the boat and left with Jesus. (laughs) I don't know how I would feel about it if if I was the dad, but I have a hunch that after meeting Jesus, uh, well, the right thing to do became clear enough. They never expected what happened as they followed Jesus either. They witnessed miracles. They participated in miracles. And even though Jesus talked about what would happen eventually, well, they didn't really understand. They couldn't really understand what was going to happen. And so they had no idea what was going on when they went into Jerusalem. You know, some of them probably expected just to keep following Jesus, keep helping people and doing miracles for the rest of their lives into old age, hopefully. Now, I know there are others among the disciples who expected something different, like Simon the Zealot. He was one who thought that they should take back Judea from the Romans by force. Uh, And there had to have been part of him that, despite Jesus' teachings on peace, there had to be part of him that was still thinking, is this it? Is this it? Any time now, we're going to take Judea back, right? Either way, they expected, they all expected the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior to, you know, save. (laughs) That's what a Savior does, right? Save. They did not expect one of their own, one of their close friends to be so weak as Judas, to cave. He betrayed Jesus for money, and not even that much of it, considering what it was about. Not that there would ever be enough. Have you ever watched a friend crack under pressure? Have you ever been the friend that cracked under pressure? Well, when they came to take Jesus away, the disciples jumped to his defense. What friend wouldn't, right? And Jesus stopped them. Now, wait a second. Jesus didn't stop the people coming to take him away. Jesus stopped the disciples from coming to his defense, and Jesus went willingly. They didn't expect that. He was tried, kind of, and sentenced to death. And when the governor uh, followed their tradition of, uh, of releasing one of the prisoners in a festival, the crowd picked the other one, and they shouted about Jesus, crucify him. It had to have been so, so surreal, and they had to have been simply numb and in a state of disbelief. You know, as they raised the hammer to put the nail through Jesus' hand, they had to be thinking, okay, here it comes. Now, now's when he'll save, right? Now's when he'll be the Savior, right? And when the hammer fell and Jesus cried out in pain, a piece of them had to be downtrodden. They hadn't expected even that. 
The cross was hoisted into place. Jesus struggled with every breath for hours on hours on hours. And he died. He died. Life wasn't supposed to be like that. That isn't what they signed up for, the disciples. And then, three days later, we've already read it once, but hear part of it again. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord. See, she still doesn't expect it. Taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there, and he also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other cloths, but was folded up in its own place. Now, you see what they're starting to figure out here? If they, if they had taken the body, they, they wouldn't have left the face cloth nicely folded up and in its own spot, right? This, something doesn't add up here. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead, and they returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary hung behind. She stood outside near the tomb, crying, and as she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? She replied, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus, right? If you had just watched him be crucified, you wouldn't expect him to be standing there either, would you? Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And as soon as he spoke her name, she knew. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus says to her, don't hold on to me, and it goes on for a while. But what an amazing story. But you know, Sometimes I think we read the wrong scripture on Easter Sunday. Okay, Don't, I suppose that is the right scripture, right? You've got to read the Easter story on Easter Sunday, right? But at the same time, it's only the tip of the iceberg. It doesn't really explain what happened, at least not that scripture alone. It invites us into kind of this unexpected moment amongst the disciples. But at the same time, it's like trying to picture all of spring based only on the first bud. It may be the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, that bud, but all of spring is still let to, get left to be discovered. You know, the letters to the, in, the, in the New Testament of the Bible talk about it in so much and in so many different ways. But the passage I always go to is Revelation chapter 21. Listen to it here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making all things new. You see, it's not about us leaving earth and going to heaven. Just looking at somebody, Jesus, experiencing life after death only begins to capture the wholeness of it. No, this is about the marriage of earth and heaven. This is about the beginning of the time when earth, when we would be prepared for the fact that God is making all things new, even the world around us. Jesus is the Savior. The disciples just didn't recognize salvation when they saw it. And even the weakness of Judas, even the failure of one of their own, could not stop what God was there to do, what God is here to do. So how many of you signed up for a pandemic? First service, I said that, and then I looked back at Allison, who works for the health department. I'll ask her later. (laughs) Maybe she did, I don't know. No, how many of you signed up for a year of isolation, of distance, and of wearing masks? I know I sure didn't. Yet it's amazing to me how the Easter story speaks in new ways every year. You know, those disciples watching salvation unfold without even realizing it, watching Jesus hang on the cross too numb to even say, I didn't sign up for this, and yet... The very sequence of events that was the last thing they expected became the foundation on which was built none other than salvation itself. Oh, that was a sentence. Can I say it again? The very sequence of events that was the last thing they expected turned out to be the foundation on which was built salvation itself. The stone rejected by the builders became the cornerstone, as it said elsewhere in the Bible. Now, you've experienced this in your life. I guarantee it. You know, maybe you had a bad experience that ended up making you a better person. Maybe a lesson you learned from a difficult time ended up saving you later. You didn't expect that. But the difficult time ended up being what God used to save you. Maybe you were even sick or injured, and the good that God brought from it was more than you can imagine. Or, less dramatically, maybe you just recognize that some of the best things that have ever ever happened to you were the things that didn't go according to plan. I'm tired. I'm tired of being nervous every time I go out or perhaps more accurately, every time I go in somewhere. I'm tired of worrying for my family and friends. I'm tired of staying six feet apart from everyone. I'm tired of fearing a fourth wave. 
I'm tired of everything being different. I'm tired of people I know getting sick. I'm tired of people I know losing loved ones. I'm tired of people I know being lonely. I'm tired of having a semi-permanent mask divot in my beard. Seriously, here, I'll show you all on the live stream. There's a little thing right there. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> I'm tired of not seeing all of your faces. I'm tired of not being able to sing our lungs out together. Live streaming has been such a blessing, and it will continue to be. But I'm tired of looking at a screen more than I look at eyes. But this Easter, I'm thinking about the disciples for whom life had become something very different than any of them expected, for whom everything was changing at a pace they couldn't even comprehend, and for whom, at times, everything seemed lost. Easter was the day that their eyes were open to the fact that God had been there all along. Easter was the day their eyes were opened to the fact that God had been there all along. And in fact, the very thing that had distressed them most ended up being the very instrument of God's salvation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore. And for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. We're not quite there yet, are we? I mean that on several levels. There's still work to do in the world if you want it on this level. But we also need to wear our masks a little bit longer, don't we? We need to continue our distancing for a little while. We all need to get vaccinated and make sure everybody else gets vaccinated too so that we can be through this era. But as we do, we can know, we can know in every fiber of our being that God is there in the vaccine. Well, that one's pretty easy to name, right? But God is there in our masks, too, as we care for one another. God is there in the six feet between us. And God is using all of these things to make all things new. That is the hope of Easter. Christ is risen. Indeed. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Now with our heads bowed, but before I pray, I just want to recognize that we are together, but also each in our own private moment with God. Think for a moment. Who do you feel like in the story this morning? 
Peter? Well, I didn't name him in the sermon, but he's the one who denied even knowing Jesus. Maybe you've denied the sense of God you've experienced in your heart. Do you feel like Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus? Maybe you've made decisions you knew were wrong. Maybe you feel like pretty much everyone else in the story who's numb from the most difficult time they've ever lived through, but blind to what God was doing right there before their closed eyes. Oh God, we stand before you just as we are. You know even better than we do that none of us are perfect. Yet, like those first disciples, we stand before you in unexpected times and we ask your presence. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we've fallen short. Thank you for your mercy so boldly laid out before us. And thank you for the promise that indeed, along with everything else being made new, we are too. May your transforming love come into our hearts. And may our eyes be opened to the ways that you are transforming everything. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.